Brandon, one of the pastors here, and I've asked the band to help me out to get this morning started, so that's kind of why they're playing over me, so I'm just going to get in character and we'll start. The, what? It's the wrong. It's the wrong key. key what you, you have like it, one that's in a different key. That one's not the right key. Let's turn it over. All right, let's try it again here. One, okay. Two, three, four. If you want, I could, you know, I could help you a little bit. You want some? Want you, to help you? You think you can help me play this? I, I don't, what do you think? I just me. bought this for six ninety nine at Fred Meyer this morning, and have, came know. with a CD I haven't even read I yet. I don't know what you at. did. I don't know what you did this morning. You think? Or what you drank this morning? But if you have one that's, maybe if there's one in another key, then we. Can I don't know try what you guys' problem is, but I happen right, to be one a great more time, harmonicist. Here we go. One, two, yeah. In the key. Hey. Try to keep up, okay? Try to keep up, fellas. Can you try to keep up? I can't believe you're walking out on me. I got plans. I got vision. I'm the best harmonica player ever. You'll be sorry. This morning I want to talk about humility. (laughs) It's a tough thing, humility. We all struggle with it. We all um, at times um, maybe think we're a little bit better than we really are. Um, we have visions, expectations, how good I look. And um, Micah said it this, and some of you might have heard this before, Micah 6.8. He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? But three things. One, to do justice. Two, to love kindness. And three, to walk humbly with your God. This morning, we're going to be talking about that third, walking humbly with your God. It's a hard thing. Our pride, our stubbornness gets in the way. Humility. Let's pray. Lord, we're here this morning filling up this auditorium. Lord, we we want to honor you. We want to learn about you. We want to meet with you here. Lord, would you strip us away of our, of our expectations of church, whether the coffee, the food was good or bad, whether the parking was close enough or not, whether I can play a harmonica or not. Lord, may we meet with you here. May you deal with us. May you, the living and active God, teach us a little bit about ourselves and about the relationship you desire to have with us. Lord, I thank you for these people. 
We thank you for this opportunity. And we thank you for the work you're doing in this church, in this town. We recognize that you are a good God who desires to meet with your people. And we thank you for that. Amen. Amen. To walk humbly with God. Such a hard task. As soon as we think we've got it, then we kind of start getting prideful. I've got it. And then again, pride creeps in. And so if you're here this morning and you don't think you have a pride issue, you do. And that's just the way it goes. And so let's, let's look at Peter. If you have your Bibles, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 as we continue on in the book of 1 Peter. We'll be wrapping it up next week. Peter was the leader of the apostles, the leader of the disciples. He was the head guy. Four times we see throughout the scriptures, the uh, 12 apostles there are listed, and each time Peter's always listed first. They recognized he was their leader. He was the guy. And so as Peter led, was the leader of the disciples, obviously as they followed Jesus throughout the years, Peter was a lot like me, (laughs) Peter is probably a lot like you. And so this morning we're going to look at three examples, three things Peter learned in in an effort to deal with his own humility and hopefully in an effort to deal with our humility or maybe lack of. And so Peter pins something very powerfully here. Didn't mean to have all those P's there, but it just kind of came out that way. Peter pins something and um, chapter five starts off with... um, Peter talking to these elders and telling the elders they need to be good shepherds and setting the example. And then verse 5, we'll pick up there. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Then he goes on, clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. And then check this out. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Peter says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's a big statement for Peter to make. That's a bold statement to say, here's what God does, and then here's what God doesn't do. And what I love about Peter is he's writing from past experiences. He's reminding himself of the times he walked with Jesus and the humility and the humbleness that he learned as he lived life with God. Now, it's interesting to, get here, to be here this morning and talk about humility because it's not really a topic I can just tell you. Right now, just be humble because it doesn't really apply. Humility is one of those things you got to go out and live and experience. So this morning, what I'm going to try to do is talk to us about how, some tools and some tangible ways we can practice humility when it comes into play. Because we can sit here and worship God like we have been. We can sit here and learn to love God like we're doing. But humility is one of those things that you kind of take, you tuck away later today, tomorrow, Wednesday afternoon. All of a sudden, boom, there's the opportunity to play that humility card or to play the pride card. And so if you're a note taker, let's go ahead and get into example number one of the life lesson Peter learned. And that's found in Matthew chapter 14. We're going to be, again, looking at three examples this morning. Matthew chapter 14, 
The scene is this. Jesus has just got done feeding the 5,000 plus people. Um, a crazy miracle. They're hungry. They've been listening to him. He, he gives them the food. And then Jesus sends the disciples in a boat out. He dismisses the people. Jesus goes and prays. Middle of the night, Jesus is done praying. He decides to go meet his guys on the boat. I'm going to pick up Matthew chapter 14, verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. That's Jesus coming to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear, But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. 28. And Peter, our our life lesson this morning, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. 29. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why have you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those, check this out, verse 33, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I love that. Those guys that spent time with Jesus worshipped him, saying, Jesus, you are the Son of God. But check this scene out. So you're one of the guys, and you're in the boat, and it's like rocking, and you're just like trying to stay on and not fall over. And all of a sudden, like, somebody's like, what? Who? What is that? It's a ghost? What? And then you hear Jesus, it's I. And then Peter's like, hey, if it's you, I want to come out there. And you know, the disciples or other guys are like, what? what you want to go out there? And Peter's like, did I just say that? I don't want to. What? You know? And then you hear back, come. And Peter's like, no. What? What did I, you said, it wasn't me, it was you. And then so, you know, Peter, ah, and he begins to get out and walk on water. Walk on water. It's amazing. And then he, obviously, you know the story, he sees the wind, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. Um, And he, he gets scared and begins to sink and immediately God, Jesus, reaches down and grabs him. And then he says, why did you doubt? Pete, why did you doubt me? What was it that scared you so much where you would doubt me reaching out to save you? Maybe that's where you're at this morning. Maybe you're in a situation where you're doubting God a little bit. You're you're doubting that God's going to be there to help you. The seas are rough. The storm is is going. You're out there all alone. Nobody's behind you. All the chickens are in the boat. And and you feel like it's it's just you and you're sinking. And you're doubting God's ability. You're doubting God's passion for you to reach out and save you in the situation you're in. And so as I was thinking about this, It got me thinking about prayer. And the question is, is are we humble enough to pray to God? Because when we pray, what we're really saying is, God, you're real, and I I need some help. When we pray, um, we get peace in our lives, 
And it's not because, you know, we treat God like a vending machine and we put in our prayer request, punch what we want, and out it comes. And, oh, I have peace now. That's not what prayer is about. Prayer is about connecting with God and positioning yourself in the correct position to say, okay, God, I'm, I'm ready to pray. Peter cried out. We cry out. Okay, God, I, I'm ready to take this to you. I, I can't handle this anymore. God, I need, I need to pray to you because I, I need you to save me. I need you to rescue me. I need you to, to come to my aid. I'm drowning here, God. Do we have a humble enough heart to pray and to ask God? As a father of four, I've, I've learned this. Prayer is the difference between a prideful life and a peaceful life. Again, if you're a note taker, you might want to jot this down. Prayer is the difference between a prideful life and a peaceful life. As a father, when I don't pray, I take the weight of of supporting a family and um, of caring for their, their needs and their wants and their owies and their midnight urination of the bed. And I, I take it all on me and, and I, I don't have peace because I think I have to do it all. I've got to step in and I've got to be everything to, to them all. But when I find myself praying, when I find myself in that kind of connection with God, when I'm asking God, There's peace because I know he does care and I know he is and he has my best interest at heart. And so I think Peter learned this crazy lesson. Let's go to example number two. If you have your Bibles again, Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26. I'd like to start in verse 30 and kind of set the stage. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter, again, 33, Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. And so you just picture this man chest beating session. I won't deny you, Jesus. I'll die for you. I will die with you. I will handle the situation, God. I don't care what you're up to. I'm going to handle it. I'm going to take care of what needs to be taken care of. Have you ever found yourself saying that or living in that moment that I will take care of it? Let's fast forward to a little bit further there in verse 69, same chapter, Matthew 26. So Jesus came, was arrested. Um, You've seen the passion of the Christ. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. And a servant girl, check this out, a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus, the Galilean 70, but he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And then it goes on, the rest of the chapter, Peter denies it twice, and then again a third time. And so Peter denies his relationship with God. 
to a girl, to a little servant girl. This little servant girl calls him out, and his faith is, is so not there at the moment that he denies it to this little servant girl. Later on in the book of John, it's there in your notes, John chapter 21, starting at verse 15, Jesus makes it a point to restore that relationship with Pete, to to restore that friendship. But you look at Peter and his life and this ability to like be all for God and then not God, and you look at your life and are we sometimes all for God and sometimes not all for God? And Peter denies his relationship with Jesus in this rough patch And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe life's a little rough. Maybe life's just great. But there's that hint, there's that essence that you're denying your relationship with God. Maybe at work or maybe at home. And it's not all there. And it's, it's floundering this relationship you have with God. Not maybe the concept that there is a God, but the relationship side. Of you and God. Maybe you're not praying as much as you would, have, would like. Or the quiet times have dwindled. Or the family devos have, have dwindled away. And, and you're not saying God doesn't exist. But what you're saying is, I just don't have time for him right now. I'm denying God my time. And I'm denying God my whole heart. And I'm denying God my attention. And Peter went through that. And we see after he denied Jesus the third time to the crowd there, he wept bitterly. He, he came to grips with where he was. I used to be here with God, and it was beautiful. And now time is gone, and, and, and now I'm here. I don't feel like I'm with God, and it's not so beautiful. Do we have the humility to come back to God? And let him restore that relationship. Can we let the pride melt away a little bit? And, and find the strength to, to get back into that right relationship with God. Let's look at the third example. <clears throat> it all the way over to the book of John. Chapter 13. John chapter 13, you've probably heard it before. I'm going to start in verse 5. John 13, 5, Then he poured water, he being Jesus, poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now. But afterward you will understand, verse 8, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And then Jesus answers him, if I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And so the scene there is, is so vivid. It's, it's the disciples and they're sitting around, they're arguing about who's greater well, I tithe 10.2% and, and you just want to sing worship because you don't want to get in dialogue and they're, they're, who's, more, who's better and when we all die, who's going to have the better spot in heaven and, and this pride, this selfishness is creeping into these disciples and, and they're just you know, talking about who's better, who's better. 
And Jesus just comes alongside of them, grabs his water, and he just begins to wash the toe jam and the nasty and the nappiness of their feet. And Peter's like, no, this, is, this isn't going to happen. You being God can't touch the n- dirty, nappy. But Peter's like, or, and Jesus goes, if, if you don't get this concept, Peter, you don't get what I'm all about. If you miss this truth, Peter, you're not going to grasp what I've been trying to teach you, trying to train you. And so Peter says, okay, God, don't just do the feet. I'll take the full deal. Clean me. Armpits. Let's do this. And what did Peter get? Well, I think what he got was back to, Matt, to Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5. So let's go back there and conclude this morning. So here's Jesus who's walked on water and fed 5,000 people and healed people and and done amazing, amazing things. Gets down and washes his disciples' feet. Showing them, quit being selfish and start serving. Quit thinking you're going to be great and you're going to expect great things and just get down and serve. Just get off the pedestal you've built yourself up on. Get off the the pride train. Hop off and get down and just be humble. And I think Peter didn't get it there as Jesus is washing their feet. But I think later he got it. And then he pens this. Likewise, 1 Peter 5, verse 5. You who are young, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself All of you with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. After Peter lived this life with Jesus, the good times, the bad times, he came to that conclusion that Jesus was humble. That night when Jesus was washing their feet, he could have taught them any lesson he wanted to. If it would have been me, I would have been like juggling fire and wrestling a bear and just being like, I am God. I can juggle fire and wrestle a bear. But Jesus didn't teach him that. He didn't, you know, levitate and eat bread without hands. And he didn't do that. Jesus decided to teach his disciples the ultimate lesson. Humility. Humble yourself. Come alongside and bless other people. Life's not about you. Life is about being humble and loving. And we can't grasp that until we grasp what God did on the cross. We can't even grasp the concept of humility until we first look to what Jesus did. God, perfect, pure, always good, getting pinned to a cross. That's humility. Washing dirty feet of dirty sinners. That's the God we're here worshiping and praising and reading about. That's the God who wants us to get being humble. And and to grasp it, we've got to first start and always end with what he sent his son to do. And so Peter says, clothe yourself. And it's this concept that When you wake up, when I wake up, we don't just all of a sudden 
are humble. We, we don't. We wake up and we think how we're going to conquer the day, how we're going to do this and how we're going to do that, and we're going to show our six-year-old how to ride a bike, and we're going to, you know, do, we're going to do all of these things. Yay, look what I'm going to accomplish today. And we forget that it's the day he has made. And it's him who's got a plan. And it's his will that's going to ultimately triumph in this world. And we just think, oh, we're going to do all this great stuff. We need to come back to this point of humility and say, God, you're going to do all this great stuff. You've got this great day planned. I just want to be a part of what you're doing. And so we have to clothe ourselves. We have to look in the mirror and say, you're really not that great. You, you, you really could use some help. And, and thankfully, there's a God who wants to be there and who wants to help and who wants to reach out and save you, who wants to reach out and love you, who wants to reach out and blot away the depression and the frustration. There is that God. But until we clothe ourselves with humanity, or until we clothe ourselves with humility, until we grasp that concept of, I've got pride, and I've, I've got to let God work that out in me. I've got to let God work that and, and take that away and bring me to that humble point. We'll just continue to go along in our prideful, arrogant, boastful ways. And so we clothe ourselves with humility humility. We, re, we know Peter's words to be true, that God does oppress the proud, because we really have put him in no other situation. We have really put God in no other situation. If we're going to be boastful to God, he's just going to let us be boastful. But when we come to that point of humility, when we can come and, and worship God and, and fix our eyes on him, when we come to that point of humility, I think God's then say, all right, I'm ready to work. You're here. You're ready. You're ready to let me do this in your life. And then wrapping it up, we go on. <clears throat> we see as Peter lived life with Jesus, he was faced with situations that could have gone one of two ways. He could have drowned or he could have reached out to God. He could have kept denying God, or he could have allowed God to restore the relationship. Peter learned the lesson of a humble leader, or he could have stayed prideful. Peter learned to walk humble with his God. He got it. He came to that point of, I need to stay humble. Verse 6, last two verses, and we're out of here. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, after all, everything he just said, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I think some of you just need to hear that this morning. He cares for you. He, God, cares for you. He does. And so when we come to that conclusion that God cares for me and wants the best for me, 
and I'm, I've humbled myself to, to grasp that concept, then I see God in a whole new light. And I'm able to cast my anxieties, my fears, my frustrations to him. Because I know he cares, right? When your daughter's learning how to ride a bike, me a couple weeks ago, and she falls and crashes, she, she gets up and she runs to, to dad or to mom because she's hurt. Why? Because she knows we care. That's God's nature. He cares. You've crashed. You've got a boo-boo. You've got an owie. Let's take care of that. He cares. God cares. And when we get that concept, then we're able to stay humble and go and serve others. Because we learn that God not only cares for me, he cares for others. And now I get to go be helpful and bless and be a blessing to other people. At this point, we're going to have uh, the worship team come back up and we're going to close with one more song um, and then we'll take the offering as well as that song's coming up. Um, let's pray. God, this is, uh, this is your day. This is your planet. This is your universe. This is your church. You've created us. So, Lord, I think I first ask for forgiveness in the pride that I live in so often. Lord, we thank you that you are a forgiving and God who's patient with us to teach us these lessons. Lord, if we're here this morning and we feel like we're drowning, would we be humble enough to call out for you? Lord, if we're here this morning and we feel like we've denied or we've cheapened our relationship with you, Lord, would you do your part to help restore that relationship that we've lost with you? And Lord, may we see that out of all the amazing things your son could have done, his purpose was to teach us humility, setting the example that we can have that right relationship with you, God, through humility. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that you love us enough to care. Lord, be with us this week as we go out and embrace this world. Lord, give us the strength, give us the wisdom to live a life that reflects the existence of you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.